0: It was the year 2020. Anybody remember that year? Before the, I know, boo. Before the pandemic, I was blessed to go on a trip to Africa, to Kenya with a mission organization. And as a part of that trip, we got to do a safari in the Maasai Mara. And if you know anything about that, The Lion King movie that they made, the remake, uh, the pictures that they showed was that setting. The Maasai Mara, the cliff that looks down into the incredible valley. There's elephants and there's giraffe wandering wild. There's alligators in the rivers and hippos and just every imaginable animal that you could think of when you think of Africa. But one of the animals there is a tiny little thing called an impala. You you guys probably think of the big car, but there's a little animal about 30 inches high that's an impala, and impalas are incredible animals. They can jump 10 feet up in the air, and they can jump 30 feet in one single leap. They can run 50 to 55 miles an hour, which is faster than the top speed of a lion that might be chasing them. But with all those incredible skills, if you want to go to see an Impala, you can simply go to the zoo where they erect a three-foot barrier that they can't see past, and the Impalas will not jump out of the enclosure. The reason is they won't jump when they can't see where they're going to land. They have what I would like to call self-limiting thoughts they don't know where they're going to go so they limit their ability to jump do you know who doesn't have self-limiting thoughts (laughs) toddlers right toddlers if there's a drawer in the kitchen they want to play with they will open that drawer even if it's the knife drawer Uh, A toddler, if they're playing and they're too busy to go to the bathroom, they just do a doo-doo in their pants. In fact, when it comes to pants, if toddlers don't like them, they will simply take them off in public. My father-in-law, has a story of when he was a toddler, they were riding in the car and he was in the back seat and his parents were talking and he liked to take his clothes off and he did it frequently and they would get to the destination, they'd have to redress him. Well, this particular day, as they were driving, the window was open. He was taking off one article at a time and throwing it out the window. And when they got to their destination, he was stark naked. What is hilarious with toddles will will get you and me arrested. Toddlers don't have self-limiting thoughts, and we do accumulate self-limiting thoughts as we grow. We we get them from the culture, maybe from the family that we're in, maybe from experiences we've had. Trauma sometimes gives us self-limiting thoughts, and those self-limiting thoughts can hurt us because there's far more in life that I believe God wants for us than sometimes we will believe for ourselves. You might have some self-limiting thoughts. You might have some behaviors that will identify that you have them. And One of them is a lack of motivation. If, if you feel just not like doing anything, you don't feel like going anywhere, there's probably some thoughts going on in your head that are stopping you. If you're depressed, you may feel like there's a cloud falling over you. And I know there's other reasons for depression, but a lot of times they are accompanied by self-limiting thoughts. There's also things like uh, impaired ability to uh, be creative with solutions and problem solving that happen because we can't see outside of the walls that we have built around ourselves, that we can't see ourselves getting past. And we're going to talk about that this morning because I believe that some of the things that we believe are keeping us from leaving a legacy. You see, God has not just brought us here to live this life and to move on to the next, but He has called us to leave a legacy. We can read about this in Proverbs. Proverbs 13.22 says this, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. And you can see two different mindsets there. One mindset is, is one that is not self-focused. It's, it's thinking of others. And the, the second mindset really is self-focused. So we can do one of two things. We can either give up or we can store up, but we can't do both. And when we give up, we can begin to see what God can do with what we give up. Now, you might say, well, I don't have a lot of money, as Pastor Chris was talking about money earlier. Uh, But it's not just physical wealth that God calls us to give us. Certainly, that will leave a legacy, but there's far more. We can read about this in 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 8. It says this, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great, what? It's great wealth. So there's a wealth that's not just tied to finances. After all, we brought nothing in with us when we came into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. That's a scripture about contentment, but it it ties in the fact that there is a wealth that we have that's going to outlast us that we can give to others if we're living godly lives. I had a pastor one time say this, and it rings in my head to this day. He said, if our church was to disappear from our community, would the community notice it? That kind of haunts me if you think about it. If this church disappeared tomorrow, would anybody in the community notice it, that it was gone? You see, if the answer to that, friends, is no, or if the answer is I'm not sure, then we have work to do. And I believe God has got a message for us today. I think the schools in the future, because of this church, are going to know we're here. I believe families in this community, because of this church, will know we are here. And I also believe that even the business community, people that are in need in this community, will know that Summit Church is here because of all of us and what we are doing for God that goes beyond what we're seeing today. Amen? All right. So, let's pull out your notes if you're following along online. We're glad you're here. You can uh, get those notes digitally as well. We want to leave a legacy. Say to your neighbor, leave a legacy. There you go. That was semi-enthusiastic. I'm excited. (laughs) All right, so I'm going to cover three things this morning we can do to leave a legacy. Number one, I leave a legacy when I give up my comfort zone for connection with my neighbors. I give it my comfort zone with connection. Now we all like comfort zones, right? We live our life in comfort zones. We go to the mattress store and we don't say, I'd like the most uncomfortable mattress. Do you have something stuffed with straw or something? No. We sit on all of them. We lay on all of them. We imagine ourselves. All these comfortable mattresses, we take them home. And do you guys ever think about this? Even where you lay on the mattress if you're married, you realize that's your comfort zone. Uh, Ray Romano talks about this, that you pick the side of bed you sleep on, on your wedding night, and you better make that choice carefully because it's yours for the rest of your life, right? (laughs) We have comfort zones. We have the seats we like to sit in at church. How many people here go to the same row every week? Let's see. Show of hands. Yeah, it's a lot of you. And when somebody is sitting in, quote, your seat, you get a little tweaky, right? That's because we got comfort zones. So we live our lives in comfort zones, and we, we, we make our, our paths in life uh, to, to adjust to our comfort zones. We have ways we like to drive to work, and we have friends, circles, and people we like, and those are our comfortable people. And if we have to go outside of that comfort zone, sometimes it makes us uncomfortable, and, and it takes us out, so we don't want to do that. The biggest problem with comfort zones is Jesus hates them. And he came to rattle us. He came to shake us up out of our comfort zones. In the early years of Jerusalem, uh, the, when the church was just forming, it was phenomenal. They say there was a uh, a revival like nothing in history. Half of all Jerusalem, they say, became Christian in the first first few years, and. They stayed there and they flourished, but the problem was they weren't going beyond. Jesus said, go into all the world, right? He, he, it's called the Great Commission, by the way, not the Good Commission or the All Right Commission. It's the Great Commission. We're supposed to go. So they were sitting here in Jerusalem and it took a persecution to get them out of their comfort zones, to go out into other cities, to move out of their land where they had lived their whole lives. And as they did, they began to spread the message wherever they went. We read this in Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. It says, Then he turned to his host, when you put a luncheon on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, Don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. For some of you, you think family at Thanksgiving, this is actually good. You like that, right? (laughs) So... Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then, at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. This is such a foreign concept, and you kind of have to feel for Jesus because this was at the end of a meal. He had sat with one of the religious leaders in the community, and he had to sit there. He healed someone at the beginning of this dinner, and they were grumbling and complaining because he did something nice for them uh, on the Sabbath, and then they were all trying to pick the best seat in the room. It just seems like whenever you're trying to do good, there's someone there to judge you. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, there's a guy named Mr. Beast. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's the most famous YouTuber there is. He does all kinds of crazy things. Well, he decided to do something, go to Africa and build a hundred wells so that he can impact five hundred thousand people. And he went there and you should have seen the villages. They filmed it. How many people saw that? Anybody? A few of you saw it. It was incredible. Like these people are cheering because they had to go to dirty rivers with diseased water. They had to walk miles. Some of them spent all day doing nothing but getting water. And now they had the convenience of water in their own village. And then all of a sudden, there were some complaints online that this was racist and this was demeaning to the people. And they found out that the people that were complaining about it was a lady who had a non-profit, quote-unquote, that had brought in 130000 and she spent 85000 of that money that came in for charity on herself. And another guy that was complaining about it was one of the leaders of that nation that he went to because he was embarrassed that he wasn't doing this for his own people. Right? There's always things when we're doing something good, there's going to be somebody complaining. But it doesn't stop us from needing to go and do those kinds of things. We did something kind of weird. I don't know if you guys realized what we did that was weird a few weeks ago. We did something called Sugar Rush Pop-Ups. What we're supposed to do as Christians is we're supposed to have Trunk or Treat. I don't know if you knew that. This Christmas, (laughs) Easter, and Trunk or Treat. Right? It's one of those sacred three holidays of the calendar. And it's kind of funny because trunk or treat, I think it was back in the 90s when it was first invented. It was invented by a church and other churches said, oh, how dare you do something that celebrates Halloween? And then pretty soon they realized, oh, everybody's going to their church, we should do it at our church too. And and it became all the rage and now everybody does trunk or treats, right? It's become a thing and it was a cultural thing that the church started doing um, that impacted the whole society. Well, we did something a couple weeks ago where we decided let's not just have everybody come to our church, let's go to where they are Let's make it convenient for them. And so we just went into the community to build relationships and bless the community. We got out of our comfort zone, and it was a risk. It was kind of odd. It might not go well, but it was phenomenal. I think God loves it when we take those kinds of risks, and He blesses those kinds of things. And I know that in the future, this church is going to be called to do some weird things. Are you guys okay doing it with us? Come on, we're going to give you lots of opportunities for weird. So I want full participation. Here's the problem. When you move outside of your comfort zone, when you start having conversations with people you never talked to before, you discover soon that there's weird people out there, right? Naturally, we're not weird just them, right? You find that you have conversations that are difficult. You find people that are disagreeing with you. And pretty soon it just becomes easier to go back into your comfort zone, go back into your echo chamber, talk to the people that you know what to expect from them. But God has called us to go out there and experience what might feel weird to us. But to him, it's incredibly valuable. Second thing, with legacy, I leave a legacy when I, number two, give up my right to be right for my responsibility to love. Right? We live in a right to be right world. I know my rights. I know, you tell me about them all the time, right? God's not concerned about rights. He's concerned about love. He's concerned about compassion, seeing people uh, experience God. Seeing people experience who He is, the love and the compassion that He has, and he, we, they can only see it through His church right now. That's, that's the avenue. We are the people that are supposed to be representing Him in the future, uh, in this, in this uh, world. And if we don't do it correctly, we mess things up. We might think people need our, our advice. We might think that's true. But I have found, I've discovered with my, with my wife that my advice isn't always well-received. Have you guys ever guys ever discovered that, I remember one time we were having a disagreement about uh, the definition of a word, and it wasn't a serious disagreement, but you know we were on two sides of uh, opposite sides, and we just weren't coming to terms on it. So we went about our day, and you think that would be the end of it, but I decided to look up the definition of the word that day, and I discovered that I was correct. So I went about my way, and we got home, and I wasn't even thinking, you know, just going about business, and all of a sudden, it popped into my head. I think it was uh, the Holy Spirit. It's possible it was the devil. I'm not sure, but the definition popped into my head, and I said, oh, by the way, Teresa, I was right about the definition, and she said, have fun being right all by yourself. Maybe it was because of the arrogant tone in my voice. I don't know, but... The point is, people don't want our advice. People want care. They, they want care more than creed. They want your devotion to them more than the doctrine you have to offer. And if you don't build a relationship, the chances are they're not going to want to hear what we have to say. Uh, when, you, when we begin attacking people, when we begin offering our advice for how they should live their life, the natural response for people is, is to... Build up walls to to be defensive. Sometimes they might want to insult us if they're feeling insulted themselves. We have to be careful not to be accusatory with people, and just begin to be curious about their stories. Uh, this is an incredible chapter, an incredible paragraph that I wish more Christians would read. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter nine, verses twenty through twenty-two. He said this: When I'm with the Jews. I seem as one of them so that they will listen to the gospel and I can win them to Christ. So, in other words, when I'm a Jew, I'm obeying the Jewish laws, I'm doing kosher, I'm washing my hands, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do because I don't want what I'm not doing to be a distraction to them. I want to win them to Christ. When I'm with Gentiles who follow Jewish customs and ceremonies, I don't argue, even though I don't agree because I want to help them. He, he's saying there's, there's Gentiles that are actually obeying Jewish laws because they think it's the right thing to do. You know, Paul actually had Timothy circumcised. Timothy had a Jewish uh, father or a Jewish mother and a Greek father, and he didn't need to be circumcised, but he knew there's going to be times where it would become a stumbling block. So Timothy said, yeah, uh, I'll do it. <clears throat> when I'm with the heathen, I agree with them as much as I can. Except, of course, that I must always do what is right as a Christian. And so by agreeing, I can win their confidence and help them too. I don't major on the minors. I look for common grounds. When I'm with those whose consciences bother them easily, I don't act as though I know it all. There's certain people that think things are so important. Why would we argue with certain things if it doesn't have to do with the gospel? Let them hold their opinions. And I don't say that they are foolish. The result is that they are willing to let me help them. Yes, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. Paul was totally focused on the soul. He looked past any kind of disagreements, any kind of doctoral differences, any kind of lifestyle differences, and he looked at the person, he said, I want to find as much common ground as possible. I want to have as much empathy as possible. I want to listen. I want to be curious. I don't want to control. And as a result, he was hugely influential with people. Of course there's going to be problems when we encounter people that have differences of opinion. There's going to be times when we do have to say what's true, but we can still do that in love. We don't have to beat people up with the Bible, which has been done over and over again. We have an opportunity to demonstrate God's love, and in the process of building a relationship, they become willing to listen to us. And all of a sudden, when they have a problem, they might ask us, would you pray for me? Pretty soon, they're talking to us more and more, and and they're opening their lives up to us. And it's because we've taken the time to love them and build a relationship with them. That's what God's calling us to do here in Lincoln. Amen? Amen. Here's some questions you can ask people. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but when you're talking to somebody you've never talked to before, here's some things you can ask them. Hey, what are you super passionate about? What's, what's something you, you love or something you're really, um, that really stirs you? Or what kinds of things do you like to do? Like, what do you like to do around here? I mean, sometimes if you're new to an area, That's a great thing to ask somebody. Hey, I'm new to the area. What's fun, what's something fun to do around here? You can build relationships with people with so many different questions. Be curious about other people's lives. Ask them questions. Not in a weird, kind of light in the eye, you know, rapid fire. Just ask honest questions to get to know them. We have to learn how to talk to people, grace and truth. And third, to leave a legacy, I, I leave a legacy when I give up my feelings of security for my faith in God's promises. My feelings of security and faith in God's promises. Really, that's what comfort zones are all about. Like, it's, it's a feeling of security. I got my house, I feel secure in my house. Uh, I, I feel secure in my job, I feel, feel secure with my friends. I feel secure with the amount of money I have in my bank account right now. If I had less, I might not feel as secure. I feel secure about the level of involvement I have with the church or the level of involvement I have with outreaches. And we stay in those comfort zones and we, we stay in those areas of security and we don't step out on faith and see God answer his promises to us. When we start doing those kinds of things, life gets exciting. One of the reasons so many people left the church over the last 20 or 30 years is because they said, I never see God never saw God move in the church. People were doing church. They were just playing church, but they weren't seeing the move of God. The move of God happens when we begin to step out in faith and do things that are uncomfortable to us, but we know the Holy Spirit is calling us to do. Then all of a sudden we see God step in and do something and then we get more confidence and we do something else. We see God step in and do something and it happens and it gets bigger and bigger and pretty soon we can't believe what God has done. It goes beyond our ability to understand. Peter, Peter um, was famous for just kind of whatever Peter thought you knew quickly because it just came out of his mouth, right? Um, and there was one time when Peter said something to Jesus, but it, it was right after a long. Uh, it, it was a long list of things that Jesus had been doing in, in Mark chapter ten. So Jesus had had an encounter with someone who was uh, a wealthy man. And Jesus has been talking to that wealthy man. The wealthy man said, what does it take to get to heaven? And, and so he was kind of going through all the list of things, that you obey the Ten Commandments and all that. And in the end of this conversation, this man was saying, yeah, I've done all that. In other words, I'm perfect. And Jesus said, there's only thing one, left, one thing left. Just give everything you have to the poor and come and follow me. And it says the man went away sad because he owned a lot. He, he had a lot of wealth. And Jesus goes on to talk about it's harder for a rich person to enter heaven than it is a camel to go through the eye of a needle. He has this long conversation. And so that's the context that Peter says this. Let's read it together. Mark chapter 10 says this. Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children that's good for some of you who have teenagers, right? So and I'm just kidding. Sorry. Uh, or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. When Peter asked this question you might read it at first like, well, I've left everything. He wasn't bragging about it. Peter was doing what we all do when we're out of our comfort zones. We made a commitment to give more, and all of a sudden we think, oh, I did, I did something stupid. I'm giving more, something bad's gonna happen because I did this. I committed to something. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to follow this through. I reached out to someone. I I might look like a fool. We begin to question when we step out of our comfort zones, and that's what Peter's doing right here. He's seen all these ha- things happening, and he's starting to think, Did I make the right decision here following Jesus? And Jesus reassures him. He's giving him his promise Peter, you think you're giving something up. You're not, you're gaining. You're gaining. The person you saw just walk away is the one that's not gaining. He's holding on to everything he's had. His comfort zone, his his worldly treasure, he's holding on to it and he's losing so much. Because when you give to me, I can do incredible things and I will. I have a promise to you. That's what changed Peter's life. He was committed to Jesus, 100%. And some of us need to take a step of faith this morning because there's things we're holding back. We, we're holding back finances. We're holding back getting involved in ministry. Honestly, we have this thing coming up, She Gives. This is a ministry that... It's fun for ladies to come together. It's fun to hear a great conversation, a great talk that they have, a guest speaker speaking. But there's ministries that this is supporting that is literally going to change women's lives for the rest of their lives and for eternity. It's not a small matter. It's a big deal. And if you can at all go to this, you should get together with the other ladies of this church and see lives literally transformed because of your commitment to do something that might be a little uncomfortable for you. Amen? We're going to be doing more and more and more things like that. And I'm just going to ask you, please, right now, commit to being uncomfortable. Commit to maybe changing your schedule around at times to be able to do things that you can't do right now. And I get it. There's a lot going on but usually if you look at your schedule usually if you look at your finances there's things you can change around and reprioritize to put him first so you could say the same thing that Peter said I have left everything I am a hundred percent committed to you there's a guy by the name of Roger Wong and I had the pleasure of meeting him uh, many years ago and he was an accountant at the Nico Hotel in San Francisco I don't know if you ever gone down there and seen the Nico, but it's a beautiful hotel. And he would walk to work every day, and one of the areas he walked by was the Tenderloin. If you know anything about the San Francisco area, Tenderloin is the worst of the worst areas. It's is horrific. There's drugs, and prostitution, and uh, addiction, and just every kind of disease. And there are families that live there. There's all these apartment complexes, and there's children there, and it's just heartbreaking to see the poverty just next door to us. And as he was walking to work, he saw this child being harassed and being bullied. And he just thought, ah, oh, that's so wrong, I wanna do something about that. And so he went home and he told his wife about it and he said, we gotta do something. And she said, well, let's, why don't we make lunches and let's just start connecting, let's start building relationships. So they made 50 lunches and they handed out 50 lunches. And all the lunches went quickly, then they made more, then they made more. And pretty soon, he was spending so much time getting to know the people in this community and talking to the kids as he went to work, and he almost didn't have time to do his job, so he asked uh, some, some other people to come in and help him, some people from his church, and he got more people involved in serving in this area, and more people, and more people. And pretty soon, this ministry became so massive that he didn't have the time to do it and his job. And so he went to, at this point, a board of people he had arranged, and he said, hey, we've got to find somebody to do this full-time. I don't have time for this. And they said, we think you're the guy to do it. He goes, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a Christian leader. I'm just a, an accountant. And he prayed about it, and he felt like God saying, leave, do it. And so he quit his job, and he became a full-time ministry over this, what they call city impact. And Teresa and I got to serve in this, and, and we ended up having Roger speak to our group. Uh, and... and we were having dinner with Roger, and he had a team of young people with him that he was discipling. They went everywhere he went, and they were listening to everything he heard. And as, as we were talking, I said, how did you do these things? He said, Dan, I just kept seeing needs, and, and I was desperate. And I just would plead with God, please, God, help. Please, God, I need you. And he would deliver. And then I would... Something else would happen. I would pray and God would deliver again. He said one time they had put the word out they're going to have a big banquet, just like Jesus said to do, with everybody in the community, anybody who wanted to come. And they just asked people, please RSVP. They had like 2,000 RSVPs. They had nothing close to being able to feed that many. Somebody came in that was supposed to be doing the food, and they said, we're in trouble. We don't have anything close to 2,000 meals for everybody. And so they just said, we need to pray. So they got on their knees, just prayed, pleaded with God. God, please help us. We don't want us to turn people away. A couple hours later, the phone rang. It was Trader Joe's. Trader Joe said, hey, I, we know you guys have a thing you do with, where you feed the homeless and the poor and uh, people in need. And our freezer's broke. And all our food's going to go bad. We're just wondering if, if you would be able to take it. He said, yeah. So, they gave them thousands of dollars worth of meat and food, and they were able to cook and feed everybody, and they had leftovers. Almost sounds like a loaves and fishes story, right? That's what happens when we start stepping out of faith in faith. That's what happens when we become a little uncomfortable and we have a conversation with somebody and we have the right heart and God puts us in the right place. He begins to use us. Friends, I believe God wants in this next season to use us to reach this community and beyond. I really believe that. And we're gonna be hearing in the coming weeks some of the ways he's gonna be able to do that. I'm gonna leave you with this final verse in Matthew Jesus says this, don't store up treasures here on earth where they can erode away or maybe stolen. Store them in heaven where they will never lose their value and are safe from thieves. If your prophets are in heaven, your heart will be there too. You see, our hearts tend to follow where we're putting our efforts, where we're putting our finances. And I I started the message saying we can either give up or store up. And the way we store up in heaven is we give it up here. We give it up here. That's what creates a legacy. When we're not around anymore, we can have people that were impacted by our ministry because of what we gave, financially, because what we gave of our time and our talent and our treasure. And I believe God has called us. To that today. You know, my, my life was changed because of people that poured into me. Uh, I, I don't know if I've told everybody this story, but I came to Christ by reading a Bible. And the guy that gave me the Bible was going door-to-door to new houses, and I was a new house in the area. And he said, do you have a church? And I never went to church. I was Hindu and So I said, no, I don't have a Bible, I don't go to church. We had kind of an awkward conversation like you might expect, like I didn't want him pushing his religion on me, but he left the the Bible there. So I started reading it. And the words of Jesus just touched my heart. I knew it was true. And as a result of reading that Bible, it was a New Testament. As, As a result of reading that, I knew I just was drawn to him, but I didn't know what to do next. And so was, there was a weird guy at work named Juan, and Juan would always sing hymns, and Juan read his Bible at lunch, and that made him really weird, right? <laughs> but I knew he was a Christian, so I went up to him, and I asked him how you become a Christian. He told me, and so I accepted Christ, and I, I ended up finding a church. And I remember talking to somebody about this testimony once, and I said, man, I wish I could meet that guy. His name was, uh, oh, I didn't know his name yet, but I said, I wish I could meet this, this guy. And this person said, was he Lutheran? I said, yeah, he was Lutheran. He goes, I know him. His name's Ralph. I said, oh my gosh, I would love to meet Ralph. And so they arranged for me to meet Ralph, and I met him, it <clears throat> was years later. And when I met Ralph, I said, I don't know if you remember me, but you gave me a Bible once. He goes, yeah, you slammed the door in my face, right? Yes, that was me. <laughs> And I said, what you did changed my life. You see, Ralph left a legacy. Here's the thing that Ralph said. He said, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you came. I was about to stop doing it. I didn't think it was doing any good. Sometimes when we're doing things for the Lord, we may not realize we're leaving a legacy until we see him in the future someday. But trust me, friends, We can trust His promises. When we put our faith in Him, when we get out of our comfort zones, when we put our security in Him and not what we have in the here and now, He does incredible things. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, oh Lord, we all have walls of just walls of, of limited thinking that maybe we have had because of past experiences in church or negative experiences we've had with people or just even our upbringing. And it's natural for us to look to take care of ourselves because we feel like no one else will. But Lord, I hope we know more than ever this morning that you always care for us. You're always looking out for us. And the things we experience in this life are just temporary And we have an opportunity right now to invest in eternity. And so I just pray as opportunities come for us to to serve others, opportunities come for us to make sacrifices, to have conversations with neighbors or to do some of the crazy outreaches we may do in the future. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray you would be driving us by faith in your promises. And I know there are some people here uh, in this room that maybe they just don't have any, any hope in their future because the walls that they're seeing, they can't even see you. They don't even know that there's a God on the other side. And I just hope they hear this morning, there's a God that loves them so much that they sent, that God sent his son Jesus into the world so that they might have a relationship with him. If you're here this morning and you want to start a relationship with Jesus. Right now, you can simply do it by saying, Jesus, please come into my heart. Forgive me, Lord. Help me to follow you all the days of your life. I want an abundant life. I want a life that leaves a legacy and impacts others. So God, I just pray you'd bless us and help us to be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen.